Kelly. Hello, Rachel. How's it going? It's going. How are you doing? Good. So for the record, the way Kelly and I usually start these episodes, we're like, hey, what are you going to talk about in the beginning? And this time we were both like, I really just want to talk about the topic because it's so interesting. Yeah, we've got a lot of ground to cover. And I, we've been researching this for the past several hours and I can't really think about anything else. I can't either. I'm like, well, is anything bothering you? And Kelly was like, no. I mean, this is bullshit, but... <laughs> so, ready, go! Welcome back to Southern Hills. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kelly. And today's episode is about troubled teens. If you grew up in the 90s, then you probably saw on daytime talk shows the troubled teenagers who had just become a nightmare to live with, and so their parents would bring them on TV, and then they'd get sent away to troubled teenager boot camp. Yep, and if you're looking for an example of this, uh, watch the South Park episode where Cartman goes, whatever, whatever, I do what I want. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to talk about um, a lot of fucking stuff. Oh my god. Yeah, because I associate, when I think about troubled teen centers, I think about those TV shows from the 90s and the teenagers from way back when, but those places still exist today. They're actually flourishing. We're going to talk about what do we mean when we say troubled teen, what kind of kids usually get sent to a troubled teen treatment center, what happens there, and why they're bullshit. So buckle up. Kelly, what comes to your mind when you think troubled teen? Well, just based on my experiences watching Jerry Springer, it's usually a sexually active teenage girl or someone who has gotten really into, you know, alternative music and dress. Someone who is behaving in a way that their parents do not approve of. I think that's a fair definition. What do you think the clinical definition is? Trick question, there isn't one. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Rachel, uh, why isn't troubled teen a clinically defined term? Um, because there are actual disorders that cause problems, and if your kid has a disorder, you should take them to get that disorder treated. Right, so troubled is just a blanket term that means uh, not beaver cleaver or whatever the fuck. Yes, so basically my idea is that everyone's moral compass is different, so everyone's definition of good and bad varies. If my parents were strictly religious, they might consider me a troubled teen for not wanting to wear ankle-length denim skirts. Right. And you would think, okay, if my kid doesn't want to wear ankle-length denim skirts, clearly they're troubled. They have behavioral issues because they aren't behaving in the way that I want. Where can I send them to make them do this? <sighs> when I was a teenager, I thankfully was never actually sent to a troubled teen center, but I was threatened with it frequently, and uh, my bad behaviors were... Liking alternative music, having a bad attitude, you know, wanting to sleep late, not wanting to do my chores. Normal teenage behavior, which I suspect is the case for a lot of people being sent to these places. I do too. And the, okay, the sleeping late thing came up often in researching this. And it's so funny because the science now says we're waking teenagers up earlier than we're supposed to. Yeah. Because there's some part of your developing brain that makes you stay up later when you're younger. So also, who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean that I'm the future Hitler. It's funny. Now, as an adult with a good job and a place of my own, you know, I'm doing pretty well for myself. I sleep late as fuck when I'm not working. I tend to get up at like 10 a.m. still. Yeah, 10, maybe 11. That's the happy place. Yeah. 
And my sister has um, kids of her own. They all tend to sleep. She sleeps to like 10, 10 or 11. Her kids all sleep until 10 or 11 on the weekends the same. So I... I don't know. I think the, it just really bothers me that there's, it's just a blanket term for, I don't like what my kid is doing. And right. it doesn't address that, well, what did your parenting do to lead your kid to be behaving this way? Right. So. Yeah, I, I feel like troubled should be limited to actual, either violent or self-harmful behaviors, not just, my mom doesn't like what I'm doing for reasons of her own. Like my denim skirt example, this perceived behavioral issue is just a difference of opinion on a religious practice. But since there's no guidebook, parents can subject their children to any number of completely unregulated treatment centers. Right, because that's the thing about these treatment centers. Um, most of them, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say most of them are religiously affiliated. And um, these centers particularly tend to flourish in states with religious exemption laws. So what those laws mean is that they have banned the inspection of private faith-based facilities. So if there are no reports of child abuse, then they are not subjected to any inspections or any regulation. They can just do whatever they want until someone gets hurt. Yep, and the problem with that is one of the tenets of a lot of these places is your child cannot contact you and you cannot contact your child. Yeah, it even goes further than that. Parents actually sign a temporary custody agreement granting custody to the treatment center. So they are not technically the child's legal guardian while they are in the care of whoever is running this place. Yeah, and oftentimes they're private businesses. So Kelly and I could start a treatment for turning your kids into Satanists if we wanted to and just it's true. paint a pretty picture of, hey, dude, <laughs> <laughs> I can totally get on board with that idea. We're like, hey, we're going to fix your kid's bad behavior. Hey, is your kid too boring? <laughs> Does we your kid you. actually like wearing khakis? <laughs> Does your kid like getting up in time for church? Not anymore. Yeah, that, that's, that's our whole thing. Like, anyone can run these. Yeah. And I was curious of what the various definitions out there were. So for shits and giggles, um, an alternate term is at-risk youth. Mm. At-risk youth are students who require temporary or ongoing interventions in order to succeed academically. At-risk students or adolescents are less likely to transition successfully into adulthood and achieve economic self-sufficiency. Characteristics of at-risk students include emotional or behavioral problems, truancy, low academic performance, showing lack of interest for academics, and expressing a disconnection from the school environment. All of those things described me when I was a kid. <laughs> I would say all of those things describe a normal angsty teen. Yeah. From an institutional perspective, it's really frustrating because part of the reason I was truant is that no one was watching me. Part of the reason that I had low academic performance is that no one was ever watching me. There was no, like, influence for me to do anything. Right. And my disconnection from the school environment was completely attributed to that. I did not like anyone where I was from or near anyone. Yeah. And it was a small town. We've gone over this before in our Tribes episode. If you're from a tiny town like that and you don't get along with the people that you're exposed to because they're not that great of a people. Or you just have nothing in common with them. So most of, well not most of, but many of my 
quote-unquote friends from those years were people I knew from the internet. Yeah, same. And that's another thing that um, I've seen mentioned reading about troubled teens. If they spend a lot of time on the computer, you know, if they're on the computer too much, that's a bad sign. But that's the world we live in. Yeah, it is. Our parents are also parked in front of the TV nine times out of ten, so... For real! Like, why is you sitting and watching NCIS better than me playing video games? Right. I'll never understand that. Yeah, um, very that well. Really good point. Yeah, that used to drive me nuts. Um, you're not doing what I want to do, so I don't like what you're doing. But it's like you're being lazy too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Verywellfamily.com says the term okay. troubled teen is used to define a wide array of behavioral or emotional problems among adolescents. Some troubled teens have mental health issues like depressive disorders or ADHD that interfere with their daily functioning. Others have substance abuse issues, learning difficulties, or social problems. Okay, what I'm hearing is that most of these issues are either medical issues or, um, God, what were some of the other ones? Truancy. And you could drop your kid off at school and then them ditch school, so. That's true. But the problem with truancy is that if you're younger, I mean, if you're a teenager, that's one thing. Your parents can drop you off and you can leave. But if some of these kids that wind up in these treatment centers are 12, 13, 14 yeah. years old. How is it not the parents' fault? I would say in most cases it is the parents' fault. And like in a lot of these cases, the kid does have a mental health issue, which should be addressed by a mental health professional, not a fucking faith-based treatment center. However, I think a lot of these quote-unquote behavioral issues are just shitty parents being shitty. Exactly. And the problem is that if you look at your child as their own person and not a product of the environment that you are putting them in, then yeah, it's easy for you to say, well, I just have a terrible kid. My, why is my kid so bad? Later on, we will get into alternatives to these treatments. But the problem is for a lot of these parents, they're not looking at what they have done or what behaviors they should have been noticing that were developing in their child. Yeah. You know, so they're they're catching these problems on the back end instead of noticing them on the front end. And then they're blaming the kid and not themselves. themselves. Yeah. So I'm not saying parenting's easy. I've never done it. So I am saying if your kid's an asshole, look in the mirror. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's 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 my ignorant opinion. Because yeah, the point I was gonna get to is like if if it's not a medical issue, if it's not um the root of some sort of trauma. If it's just strictly behaviors that you don't like, then it's probably a reflection of your parenting. If you are having a child because you want to make a mini-me, you're having a kid for the wrong reason. Yeah, I like what you said about so many people just see their kid as an extension of themselves and that your kid is not an extension of you. It's not your property. It is an individual. And I saw this thing. Um, God, I really, really hate creative punishments for children i've bitched about this to rachel so many times because you see this on facebook a lot like oh my kid was an asshole so i made them uh wear a sandwich board and humiliate themselves on the street corner yeah and actually people die from that shit every year particularly in the south where they're just like god the one that comes to mind is a little girl had to run laps until she collapsed and she and it was her grandparent and she wasn't given any water that was here yeah and then there was another one um somewhere in the south but a little girl was caught drinking a grape soda she was not allowed to have grape soda so she was caught drinking it so they made her drink an entire two liter and she died because that's so much sugar. oh my god but the example i was thinking of before i went on this tangent so i saw this on facebook it was a teenage girl and she had trimmed her own bangs and messed them up so they took her to get her hair cut. Her hair grew out. She trimmed her own bangs again and messed them up. So her mom shaved her head 
and posted a picture of her like crying with a shaved head. Like, I think the lesson's going to stick this time. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm an adult woman and I trim my bangs. I'm cheap. I do too. And and if your kid wants to trim her bangs, look up some YouTube videos on how to trim your bangs well. Right. And th- the consequence of trimming your bangs and doing a bad job is that your bangs look shitty for a few weeks. Yeah, why, that's its own consequence. Why would you care about that that much, you know? Yeah, that is really weird. I Yeah, it just seems to me that... They're just like, oh, this is a reflection of me. This is an extension of me, and I don't like that. So. Yeah, you look bad, so I look bad. Right. I don't, whatever. That that d- stuff does really drive me crazy. And if you want to send your kid to a boot camp because they repeatedly cut their bangs, something is wrong with you. Yeah. So what exactly are Trouble Teen Centers, KP? Uh, based on what I've read, they can be a ranch-type setting, an outdoors-type setting, or they can be sort of more of a clinical rehab-type setting. But it's basically a place where teenagers go and they're mentored by staff. And in a lot of cases, they do labor. And yeah, with the ultimate goal being to make them better. Yeah, it's, it's like a boarding school for kids whose parents sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. I don't think there's a clear definition because there's no regulations. Yeah, it's the Wild West of the future of the country. Right, so it's whatever the founder has decided is the best practice for making your teenagers more well-behaved. I'm happy that you used the word the founder. I cannot wait until a point I'm going to make later. I'm sorry. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. Also, this is all horrible. I'm only excited because it's so horrible that my natural reaction is to laugh at the world. Otherwise, this would just be take 10 pounds of Zoloft depressing. Yeah, some of the stories we're going to get into are pretty heartbreaking. But um, I thought this was pretty crazy. So the trouble teen industry, it is a for-profit industry. It generates about $1.2 billion a year. And it even... At any given time, there are somewhere between 10,000 to 14,000 kids and teens at a troubled teen center in this country. And the tuition runs about $100 a day, which is roughly equivalent to prep school tuition. Oh my god. You could actually send your kid to a better school for the price it would take to send them to this um, money pit that we are going to talk about how they are rampant with abuse. Yeah, and here's the thing. One of the other things that I mentioned, and in Chattanooga in particular, Chattanooga has a big gang problem. It really does. They're doing all these different experiments to try and figure out how to solve this problem. And if your kid gets in with the wrong crowd and you have that sort of money, send them to a different school. Right. Yes, they'll still be able to text those same kids. They'll be able to talk to them on Facebook, but they'll also be exposed to an entirely different group of kids. That's true. So, and they'll have access to extracurriculars or teachers who actually give a shit. Yeah. Just, yeah. When, when I saw the cost, I thought, are you kidding me? It's, it's really an industry that preys on people's hopes and dreams. Yeah. And that's what, I think that's what bothers me the most. Like people want what's best and right for their kids. So they'll throw, you know, just about anything for it if they're able to. And it's not right for an industry to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah. And like so many others, they do tend to take advantage on people who are religious. When did troubled teens become an industry? Hmm. This was the point that I was excited about. And just like we were talking about earlier for us... Our talk show loving parents became radicalized by Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> like watching other kids get sent to boot camps, they were like, 
that could be me. <laughs> exactly. I could get rid of my asshole teenager. Finally. <laughs> the model of tough love comes from a cult movement in the 1960s called the Church of Synanon, which I will go on to speak more about later for a totally different reason, where the recipient of the treatment, a drug abuser, is yelled at and physically abused in order to stop his or her addiction. This tactic, having no actual science backing that tough love works to permanently change behavior, are still used on campers to cure them of their rebellious nature, and these campers are not protected by law because their parents have signed away their legal rights. Why would that ever work on anyone? I just don't understand the mentality. I don't understand why you think that would work. I don't either. And if, you, if you're if you a Redditor, go to our troubled teens and read any of the stories there. They are all heartbreaking. One girl was saying that, please help me, I'm about to be sent away to one of these centers. And the reason that she stated, she was a YouTuber. She was making about $500 a week making YouTube makeup videos. She doesn't describe them, and I'm sure it's to keep her life private, but she said, I don't think I'm girly enough for my parents, which could mean to me that either she's, she doesn't say she's gay, she doesn't say she's trans, so maybe she's a punk kid. I don't, I don't know. That's just where I go with it. Like, maybe she does alternative style makeup. Yeah, because if she's making makeup videos and is simultaneously not girly enough, there has to be something else going on there. Exactly. And so she's looking at emancipating because she can near support herself where she lives with that amount of money. And her parents are looking at sending her to one of these troubled teen centers because they don't like what she's doing. That is disgusting. They sent her. Oh, God. In her story, she goes on to say, people who had been in troubled teens, it's a lot of people who have, you know, survived these situations. They say, um, just put your head down and do your best to follow the rules. Well, when she came back, she said, I did that and it was viewed as rebellion. Following the rules immediately was viewed as rebellion because they're not able to quote unquote break you down and build you back up if you're just following the rules by default. Because if you're not rebelling, then they're not able to treat your rebellion and you following the rules is its own form of rebellion because you're just trying to get out. But maybe if you're not rebelling, it means that you're not a rebellious child. Exactly. <laughs> it's, the whole thing is infuriating and it gets worse. So eventually they decide that her compliant nature, after her being there for so long, her compliant nature is just okay. They're like, okay, you're, you're cured. You're good. She didn't change anything over the course of being there. And she said she was repeatedly humiliated. And at one point they made it look as though she had logged into her YouTube account and they made her delete her videos. And she wouldn't do it, right? She was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I have all these followers. And she had backup content that her brother was posting for her. Um, so she goes on. They make it look like her account has been deleted when really her brother had privatized it or um, changed the password or something like that so that she wasn't able to log into it. And they were like, see, um, we were able to get into this and we deleted it. And now you have nothing. Did she believe them? Yeah, she believed them. She said it was horrible because she had put all this effort and energy into making this thing. And to me, that's the equivalent of ripping your kid's art off the refrigerator. Yeah. And just shredding it. Like, anything you make doesn't matter. Like, why would you think that that was going to make them better? Yeah, exactly. Everything I've read, it doesn't really sound like rehabilitation. It sounds like we're just going to punish you for being an asshole to your mom and dad in horrible ways. Yeah. And I read another anecdote that I just thought was horrifying. So this was another teenage girl and she was forced to carry around displaying a pair of underwear that she had bled in. So they humiliated her for getting her period. And like, I just don't understand that. What, what are you punishing? And what is that helping? Teenage yeah. girls 
menstruate. Yeah, they do. It's totally normal. And if they're like me, I have PCOS. I never knew when that thing was coming. It was always just blindsided in the middle of the day. It just looked like someone saw an opportunity to humiliate her. And so they went with it with no basis in anything. I don't... And... Again, with addiction, it has a genetic component and there's addiction is complicated and even for-profit rehabs are a complicated topic. They're not very good either. We need to figure out how to deal with our addicts that we are creating rampantly. Yeah. Um, And when it comes to mental illness like bipolar disorder or ADHD, there are treatments out there and you need to look at what you need to help your kid with the thing that is wrong with them. Right. And if your kid has horrible aggressive tendencies... It could be a brain tumor. It could be any number of things. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's not going to be fixed by a fucking ranch. (laughs) By putting up railroad ties, KP? Yeah. So when I was doing some research, um, I found an article that really uh, moved me. It was written about a teenage boy named Bruce Steger. The article's called Life and Death in a Troubled Teen Boot Camp, and it was actually published in Rolling Stone. Written by Jesse Hyde. And it was published in 2015. And these events took place between 2011 and 2013. So, yeah, relatively recently. Beyond the age where we know that beating your kid is not good for them. Exactly. So, and this is the other thing. This kid's dad died. And after his dad died, he became a problem teen. He started using drugs. He started running away from home for a week or two at a time. His mom was scared. And, like, at one point, his friends, who were meth users, uh, robbed their house. Yeah, it was a really bad situation. And she didn't know what to do, so she sent him to this ranch, and he fucking died there. Oh, my God. Just the story is so insane. So, another thing about these facilities is that the parents do not deliver their child to the facility or ever see it. Escorts pick them up, usually in the middle of the night. They're woken up from their sleep and taken away with strangers. I think there's another word for that. Kidnapping. Right. In this case, I'm not even making this up. Two men wearing cowboy hats and wranglers (laughs) took him away from his home And uh, they drove in a pickup truck. Anyway, so after they drove for a few hours, one of the men put a black pillowcase over Bruce's head so he wouldn't know where they were going. They take him to this ranch. It was a ranch for boys. The boys got some classwork from a local retired teacher. And then the rest of the time, they would either go on hikes or they would work on the owner's ranch. So they chop firewood that the owner would then go sell or they would build cattle fence. And... Okay, this is a quote. To soften up the rocky ground for fence posts, the biggest kids ran the digger, an unwieldy contraption with sharp metal spikes, or they just used, quote-unquote, ghetto dynamite, bullet cartridges stuffed with gunpowder to blow the rock apart. So you're letting teenagers play with gunpowder now? As... They're, they're making bombs <laughs> to, <laughs> like, like, put in fence posts. I don't, I don't get it at all. I think someone was just like, hey, you know what would be, we could make money and also make more money if we just get these kids to be free labor. Exactly, which is what they are. They're actually paying to be there. God, what is this dude's name? Scott Chandler. So the the camp owner and director's name was Scott Chandler. And another thing they would have to do, a common punishment would be exercising. That seems to be something I've read about a lot of these facilities. They would punish with exercise. So... One of the things they would do is run up a hill with a truck tire hoisted above their heads. These were called halos. Bruce was out of shape. He was somewhat overweight, so he couldn't keep up with the other boys when they were doing their exercises. And when he couldn't keep up, the staff encouraged the other boys to help him. 
And what that actually meant was to drag him or just punch him in the gut. And yeah, these they the author of this talked to other campers who were there with Bruce and they admitted to all of these things. If you were well behaved, you could earn up to three points a day. And once you earn 60 points, you can call home. Okay, here's the other problem. Everything that Kelly just described is abuse, and you're not enabling your kid the ability to report to you that they are being abused. And then when they get out of these centers, let's say they want to go to the police, well, now they're a troubled kid who is probably manipulative and probably lying because, I mean, their parents put them away, so why would the police believe them? Right. And this is honestly the tip of the iceberg. I won't get into the entire Bruce saga, However, there is an incident. So in the spring of 2012, so at this point, Bruce had been there for months. Um, Chandler took a group of boys, including Bruce, into the mountains to build a fence line and to turn rugged terrain into a hunting camp for wealthy clients. So yes, they were doing free labor for the profit of this. They were doing labor that their parents were paying them. Exactly. To- God. So while they were there, um, this is in the middle of nowhere. It was about after a week of work. Chandler realized his wallet was missing. After hours of searching, he became convinced one of the kids stole it. So one by one, he had them strip searched. When the wallet still didn't turn up, he gathered them around his truck and said, one of you stole my wallet, and this is the chance to come forward and admit you did it. And no one did. So suspicions quickly fell upon Bruce. He'd been the last one in the truck before the wallet went missing, but he insisted he didn't take it. And... Chandler also thought that Bruce did it, but he had no proof. So they slowly upped the daily exercise and cut rations down. And then when that still didn't elicit a confession, they started waking the boys up in the middle of the night to do runs. And this is a quote from one of the other kids. We were already starving and really the only thing we had left was sleep. When he took that from us, it felt like we were losing our minds. So the wallet still hadn't turned up, and this had been going on for days and days and days and days. And you're on a ranch. You don't think you could have dropped your wallet on your ranch? Right. When that still didn't make the wallet turn up, Chandler suggested to the other boys that he wanted Bruce beaten. So the other kids started beating Bruce every day to try to get him to confess to taking the wallet, and he wouldn't do it, and the wallet still didn't turn up. The beatings alone didn't work, so the boys grew more inventive. They hung Bruce from the horse trailer from his handcuffs. They lassoed him and dragged him across the dirt. And the worst of it, one boy told me, was the day they hogtied him to a pole by his cuffs and shackles and paraded him around camp like a pig on a stick while the other boys beat him. And her and his mom was paying. Yes. One day, a staffer found the wallet in a five-gallon bucket of electrical wires. I fucking knew it. Bruce never confessed to putting the wallet there, but Chandler says he has never doubted that Bruce did it. Yeah. You could have dropped your wallet. You could have dropped your wallet. Or one of the kids, one of the other kids could have done it, hypothetically. Right. A staff member, hypothetically, could have done it. Yes. What the fuck? And do you really think that this kid is just going to be repeatedly beaten? Yeah, and that's not even, like... That is not the incident that killed him. He stayed there. This happened in 2012. He died in 2013. And what happened is that um, there was a truck of boys going from point A to point B. And there were not enough seats in the truck for all the boys to sit. So Bruce was in the cab of the truck. And then the truck was being driven by another teenager. He took a turn too fast and the truck flipped and Bruce died. So he died in a car accident um, from sitting in the back of a pickup truck. 
But after that happened, the place finally came under fire for not having any uh, regulations or practices or, I mean, yes, that's the law. There is no regulation, so. Oh my god. But um, I thought this was pretty grim. So in the past 15 years, 86 kids have died in troubled teen programs. At least 10 of those died at wilderness programs like Tierra Blanca, where Bruce died. Most of them die because of starvation, exposure to the elements, or pressing medical needs that go ignored. In one of the most highly publicized cases, a 16-year-old boy named Aaron was forced to hike without food for 14 days and sleep in freezing temperatures without a sleeping bag or blanket. When his body began to shut down and he lost control of his bowels, staff made him walk without pants. So they were walking with him? Yes. For 14? He died after just 20 days at the camp. Yeah. That's, how? How can you listen to any of this and not want some sort of regulatory body? Right. Because that's the issue. There's, what we're doing now is, like Rachel said, there's just this mystery Wild West attitude where you don't know where your kid is doing or what's happening to them. And then, oh, when someone dies or is raped or horribly abused, it might get shut down. And that's the other thing. Whenever we were doing research for this, I actually lost all my links. (laughs) (laughs) like i was reading about it one day and i saved a bunch of links on my phone and then whenever we went to record i was like all right time to find those and they're gone anyway if you just go to google and click news and search for troubled teens you will see report after report of sexual assault Mm -hmm. if you send your daughter to a camp like this good luck to you yeah i i actually read a few of those today and Actually, this happened this year. A girl was groomed by her therapist and then repeatedly raped and sodomized. And one of the ones that I read, it was a boy. Um, His counselor raped him. So I said, watch your daughters, but... Yeah. And here's the thing. Since there is no regulation, anyone can be a counselor at these camps. Literally anyone. Right. If there is a pedophile working at that camp... I mean, how are you going to know that? Yes, it would be obvious that if they're on the sex offender list, they're not supposed to work with kids doing that, but how, how are they going to be found out, Kelly? But in a lot of cases, like you said, there's no background check. The employees don't really receive any training. And actually, Scott Chandler, I do have a quote from him that says something about he uses a common sense approach. Oh, cool. So yeah, we don't need medical licensing. Um, he has never hired a therapist. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. it's just common sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense get kids to beat the shit out of each other and then your wallet will turn up. Right. Very common sense. And that's something that, something I researched was the varying kinds of treatment. And just like Kelly said, wilderness therapy. One thing we haven't covered yet is gay conversion therapy. Right. Because a lot of kids, since so many of these are faith-based treatment centers, a lot of these are just gay teenagers who are being sent there by their families. Yeah. And if you read any of those stories, they're also heartbreaking I read about one where a teenage girl who later went on to transition, and that was the problem that her parents were trying to treat, they would send her to the church basement to meet with a a youth pastor. And when the parents would go with her, it would be very polite and calm and comforting. When she would go there alone, which was the majority of her treatments, he would berate her. He would say things like, do you think God wants you to be around your faggot friends? Oh my God. Do you think Jesus died so you could be a faggot? And if you can listen to those sentences and think like, that's going to be an effective treatment for my daughter, 
no it's not or even that's what jesus would have wanted yeah jesus would definitely want my daughter called a faggot like i i don't think so go i'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here yeah okay i'm not likening having children to having dogs but but (laughs) (laughs) if you're training your dog not to use the bathroom in the house um positive reinforcement is the thing so they're saying you have to teach your dog that this is what you want and then reward it for doing that If you punish your dog repeatedly, or if you hit your dog more than once for doing the same thing, they're either going to hide their behavior, or they'll develop chorophagia, which is where they eat it. Oh. So, if you are just going to repeatedly subject your daughter to abuse for being the person that she, you know, maybe she, maybe she goes on to not be transgender. What difference does it make? That's who she thinks she is at that moment. And kids change. So you can either be supportive in the moment and be like, look, you're whatever, whatever your feelings are, whatever your thoughts are, be supportive and let her figure it out for herself and take her to people who can help her with whatever. Or you can make it to where she's not going to trust you. She's not going to talk to you about her problems. And then... They're just going to become exacerbated. She'll become depressed. And then you have the enormous statistic for transgender suicides. Yes. You you can't change someone's sexuality. You just can't. It doesn't work that way. No. But like you said, they could try to hide their sexuality or keep it a secret and feel great shame over it, but it's never going to go away. So maybe acceptance is the answer. Yeah. You're an idiot. <laughs> and there's... I don't know. This is one of those things where whatever you talk about sexuality, people always bring up pedophilia. And this is a red herring to what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. And the problem with pedophilia is blatantly obvious. Children cannot consent. And there are people who would argue, well, being gay was considered a mental illness. How is being a pedophile a mental illness if that's my sexuality? And the problem is that pedophiles hurt people permanently. Right. And... There will never be an ethical way for that to be done. There's just not. So if pedophilia is your bag... Go to fucking therapy. Go to therapy. Like, there's nothing you can do. The only thing you can do is hope you don't... Or, well, not even hope. The only thing that you can do is everything you can to not hurt someone. Right. So, in a way, I feel bad for those people. Watch fucking hentai. That's that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever you need to do, you can't practice that. It is never going to be ethical. Right. So... Now, when we get to adults and consenting gay people, they're in their own camp. I think that two women can consult to whatever they feel like doing in their own damn bedroom. Exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you got that out of the way preemptively because you're right, that will come up if it's not addressed. Every single time. And it's like, okay, there's never going to be a way for that to work. It's never going to happen. It's it's just never going to be okay. But until we figure out what causes pedophilia, I don't know. Hentai. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so back to varying treatments. Pedophilia aside. Attack therapy is a type of psychotherapy. I shit you not, this therapy is called attack therapy, Kelly. Hot. (laughs) Wonder what that entails. Um, attack therapy is a type of psychotherapy evolved from ventilation therapy, which I didn't Google. What the fuck is that? I I don't know. Is that where they cut off your air supply? I... I should have Googled it. I didn't Google it. I was too busy going, are you shitting me right now? Yeah. And they were not. It involves highly confrontational interaction between the patient and therapist or between the patient and fellow patients during group therapy in which the patient may be verbally abused, denounced, or humiliated by the therapist or other members of the group. Or in the case of, what was that ranch? Tierra Blanca. 
or in the case of Tierra Blanca, just beaten the living daylights out of. It's attack therapy. It's perfect. I wonder if that has ever worked on anyone ever. <laughs> I, it doesn't sound like it. No. It really doesn't. Like, hey, it wouldn't change there. Like with addicts, there's an understanding in Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous that you're always going to be an addict. It's just a part of your DNA. Yeah. And that the only thing that you can do is learn to control it. So if we were saying that if we just yell at people and humiliate them, it's only going to drive them to not talk about it, which would look like treatment and would look like a cure to the bystander. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like having untreated PTSD for your entire adult life is probably bad for you. You know, Kelly, who can say? (laughs) (laughs) But at least you don't cut her bangs no more. Oh my god. Parents who display their... I like that French parents don't use the word discipline. Or, well, I'm sorry, I'm sure they have something for it. But my understanding is that they prefer educating. Like, oh, we teach our children. It's it's not we punish. And even if you look at our episode that we did on America's incarceration addiction, we have a very set philosophy of if you do bad thing, we do bad thing in return. Right. And it's retaliatory. It's not rehabilitative yes yeah i don't i don't agree with corporal punishment in children and i know that so many parents out there will be like well you don't know what you're talking about sometimes they just need a good ass spanking but what does that teach them the only thing i ever remember learning from it was i would never remember what i had done wrong i would feel angry and i would feel unsafe it would just make me feel like okay now i know that i can't trust my mom yeah i there's never any remorse it's just anger like yeah. you said. And um, this is anecdotal, but whatever. I have noticed, and I think I've said this before. Yeah, I said this in our uh, anti-intellectualism episode, but whenever I'm in public and I see a kid getting spanked in public, uh, the kid's getting spanked for acting out. So clearly the spanking is not a deterrent to them acting out. It is a consequence, but it's clearly not helping anything. Yeah, because now they're just screaming. Right. And the thing that bothers me The studies on spanking show that it's a response in the parent that they're frustrated, so they hit their kid. Yeah. So it's... I would say 100% of the time, yeah. Yeah, it's you not being able to deal with your own emotions. That's what bothers me. Yes, it might get the result that you want, which is, oh, my kid stopped doing that thing and instead is now bawling their face off. It's like, yeah, but they're not learning the lesson. And kids who were spanked have lower IQs in part because their pain centers grow so much more than the other parts of their brain. Oh, that's sad. I would also say it has something to do with they don't understand. You're not teaching them why what they're doing is a bad thing when you spank them. You know, you're just teaching them if I do this and get caught, I get hit. That's not... By the person who takes care of me. Right. That's not inspiring any sort of reasoning or critical thinking skills. And it doesn't matter how many times, like, the I think they're called the National Board of Pediatrics. It doesn't... Anyway, it doesn't matter how many times people are told, hey, this doesn't work. Their response is, will it work for me? Yeah. And it's like, okay, maybe. Maybe it worked for you, but it's not good. There are other ways that are better. Anyway, back to attack therapy, aside from beating your kids. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Before I go on to that, do you remember when I was in West Virginia? Yes. We went to this place called Tamarack, which is super, super cool. It's like this octagon building. It may not be an octagon, but it'll look kind of like an octagon to me. You walk around in this big circle, and it's all arts and crafts that are locally made. So I bought some cool honey. I got like tulip poplar honey, basswood honey, and they have um, fine art... And then, you know, just handmade goods, whatever. 
So I'm walking around it and then I have to go pee. So I go pee and while I'm there, I'm in the women's bathroom, which is roughly 15 feet from the men's restroom. And they're positioned at angles because of the nature of the building. And I hear a guy screaming at and beating his kids. And I'm pregnant and I'm not like super hormonal, but I was, he, he was hitting his kids so hard I could hear it. And I could hear that they were little. He was like, I told you not to be acting out. I told you not to be playing in here. And I don't know, maybe he was taking, oh my God. maybe he was taking a dump. Who knows? I don't know what he was doing, but they sounded four and five. I was so mad. I, as soon as I got out of the bathroom, I was like, I'm going to wait right here. I'm going to fucking spank this guy. If he, if it's okay for his kids, you know, right. his kids are going to learn this isn't okay. Maybe if I just beat his ass in front of all these people, he'll know it's not okay to beat his kid's ass. Maybe the logical stick. I stood there for a minute and I was like... I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to jail if I stay here. So I I go and collect Colin and I'm like clearly livid, like red in the face, mad. And I was like, Colin, he was, I was like, we have to leave. We have to leave right now. And this is why. And he was like, Rachel, you are pretty pregnant right now. You're pretty vulnerable. Maybe don't get in a fight with a man in a, <laughs> in a West Virginia place. And I was like, look, if it's okay for him, should be okay for me, right? He needs to learn a lesson. Exactly. Yeah. What if you're if you're training a new employee and they mess up, do you hit them? No. You no. explain what they did wrong. Yeah. And kids are not, I, I have nieces and nephews. They are not the most unreasonable people on the planet. They are constantly testing their boundaries and learning the rules. Right. So repetition, repetition, repetition. And eventually they get it. And is it frustrating? Yes. Do you hit them because you're frustrated? No. Yeah. If I don't get to hit this guy in the damn West Virginia bathroom... <laughs> he should be right. kids. Yeah, sometimes I really want to hit people, but I don't. Yeah. Because that would be illegal. <sighs> Stupid. Anyway, attack therapy. Before I forget, before we move on, and aside from me Sounds almost beating that guy's ass. Sounds ineffective. Yes. Yeah, maybe that guy could use some attack therapy. Maybe, and that w- maybe I was going to attack therapy him because I was like, if I don't beat this guy's ass right now, I am going to scream at him until he feels very bad about his life choices. In front of his children so that at least they know someone knows that what he's doing is wrong. He almost got it. Colin was like, please don't get in a fight in a bathroom. <laughs> while you're the man. Yeah, while you're five months pregnant. Do you remember Synanon? Yes. Get ready. The attack therapy techniques used in Synanon have been described in therapeutic community by a former participant as brutal and bordering upon sadism. Fuck. In addition to comparisons to Synanon, Miller and Rolnick, which is another one of those um, therapeutic boot camps, um, they note that supporters of the therapy believe that people don't change because they haven't suffered enough. That is the most ignorant shit I have heard in a long time. Yep. And people don't change because they haven't suffered enough. Like, that is some nonsense logic. It makes absolutely no sense. Especially if your kid is suffering to the point that a lot of the times they turn to drugs and Maybe they sleep late because they're super depressed. Right, because they are suffering. Yeah, it's not an unreasonable human response. The difference is that they haven't grown enough in their life to know why they feel that way, so they just... Exactly, and I okay, I can see I'm going to change because I have suffered because I feel guilt for my actions or, you know, because... Uh, my relationships are falling apart or something, but not, I'm going to change because I'm getting the fuck beaten out of me. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. No, I think that if anything, that's just going to make you more depressed, which is just going to make you drink more, uh, which is actually noted by one of the therapists who tried attack therapy. Oh God. They note, I found that when I tried attack therapy, um, my patients only drank more. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. Really? Humiliating a group of people wasn't an effective strategy? You'd have known. Wow, so it doesn't make you stop drinking. It doesn't cure addiction. That's fucking shocking. Kelly, for my next point, I'm going to make a horrible joke. Are you ready? Oh, I was born ready. What is boss? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> don't hurt me. No more. What is wasp? Well, it's actually W wasp, but for the joke, I just shortened it to wasp. The, the first W is silent. Yeah. I mean, two W's together probably sounds like one W. Exactly. Or it sounds like a stutter. <laughs> <laughs> well, wasp. Wasp is the Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. It's an organization. It's an organization based in Utah, and wasps were founded by... Robert Litchfield and was incorporated in 1998. Wasp stated that it was an umbrella organization of independent institutions for education and treatment of troubled teenagers, all operating in accordance with their guidelines. And if you Google Wasp, actually, I don't remember what I was searching for when I got this. I think I was like, I really don't remember. Um, but anyway, a, one of the things that I found was about Wasp survivors, because there is a website, waspsurvivors.com, and it is run by a dedicated group of concerned alumni of WASP-affiliated programs. The mission of WASP survivors is threefold. They advocate for those still being held and abused in WASP programs, raise awareness of the true nature of those, and to save children and their families from being abused and scammed. I like the use of the word scammed because I hadn't read that until this point, which is basically what they're doing. They're taking these fears that these parents have for their kids and they're scamming them. Yeah, in some cases they're paying... $3,000 a month for their children to go do free labor and be beaten. Yeah, yeah, for a year. Right. So if you read WASP, they say our our satisfaction rate is this much, but everything you read about it, they're trying to sell you a product. And the problem is that if you, the parent, are the client of this company, but you're trying to treat your child, it doesn't make any sense for your satisfaction to be the real measure there. That's true. Because, yeah, if your kid comes back horribly depressed and silent, they might be more obedient, but they may not be treated for the illness that they were sent to the camp for. So what about long-term satisfaction? And what Wasp Survivor says about that is, after a period in time, after the influence has been removed and the effects of the brainwashing and mind control wear off, more people today could honestly say the programs save their life. Through my research and surveying former graduates, I would determine that the number to be less than 5% all of which would not deny the existence of abuses and human rights violations throughout their stay at WASP schools, but rather they had chosen to be grateful to have lived through such a tough experience. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's not a hallmark of success in my mind. They did learn some life lessons due to the circumstances. Oftentimes the argument is made for these programs that the end justifies the means, and that because a teenager may have been in need of intervention or help, that the actions and crimes against these children would somehow become justified. But even in the case where a child may have been in need of intervention, because of being taken out of the environment, they were able to recover from a physical drug addiction or unhealthy behavior, that does not indicate that the program itself was in fact effective, but rather the circumstances led the child to choose a different path upon their own free will. Hmm. So, so they're saying like, just because your kid came back better, it doesn't mean that what the school did was better. It just means that being removed from the environment and maybe choosing of their own free will at that point. Right. Yeah, so... Again, why why are you just sending your kids to be abused? I don't get it. Yeah, and when I read these stories, I think, I mean, how how are these places still legal? How do they operate? And, well, we know that there's, it's called the Bible loophole. If you're religiously affiliated, then you don't have to be investigated or regulated or uh, licensed. And then we also made the point that 
what generally happens is these places have no intervention until a child is abused or worse, in which case they shut down. But what tends to happen is that that place will shut down and the owner will open a new facility in another state. So this actually happened very recently. Um, a home in Alabama was shut down. It was called the Blessed Hope Boys Academy in Robertsdale, Alabama. It was closed after law enforcement raided the home of the owner, Brother Gary Wiggins, and they determined that staff had punished boys with forced exercise, solitary confinement, and withholding of food. So that one closed, and Gary Wiggins opened up a new home called the Joshua Home in Pineville, Missouri. And this quote from him really annoyed me. Is it the guy that ran it? Yeah. He talked to the star, and he told other media outlets that he has never assaulted a person in his care, but he does receive written permission from parents to swat their children. Okay, you might swat a six-year-old. You're not swatting a teenager. You're beating them. Yeah, you're full of shit. Yeah. And of course, in Missouri, child care programs operated by religious organizations don't have to be licensed. And uh, on top of that, the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services told the star it has no records of the Joshua home, nor is it aware of any organizations registered by Wiggins. So he's just totally off the radar. Oh my God, that's terrifying. Why would you, again, your child is not allowed by the rules of this thing to contact you. They can't tell you they're being hurt. And so there was a particular individual who was sent there by his parents because he was gay. And he said that he was beaten with a belt and that Wiggins beat him and said, quote unquote, I'm going to get the demon out of you and make you straight. Oh my God. So he was sent to, okay, your kid is gay and that's their quote unquote behavioral problem. Other people's kids are drug abusers, aggressive or violent or whatever problem they're having that they might be sent to this place. So you're just sending your gay kid to be with those kids? Right. I, I'm not I'm not knocking those kids. I'm sure they have actual problems and that's why they're in that situation. But being gay isn't a problem. Like no. you're not hurting anyone. Good God. Yeah. And so while this place is being investigated, um, a potential mother went with an undercover investigator to talk to him about sending a gay teen there. And he said, and I quote, one way or another, we are going to get a handle on it. And he clarified that he would not beat a Blessed Hope boy for being queer, but he would beat him for being really bad. Oh. So you're leaving the distinction completely up to this fucking dude who still uses the word queer and thinks homosexuality is caused by fucking demons. <laughs> I'm just saying. Ugh. Oh, so during the last year of his organization, Blessed Hope earned $407,510 in tuition revenue. Yeah. So it's big business. Yes. And the number that we read earlier was something like, what, ten to 20,000 kids a year? Roughly? Yeah, ten to 14,000 at any given time. Not necessarily every year. Man. Yeah. So, do you want to learn some more about Synanon? Fuck yeah, I do. I knew you would, and I have been sitting on this information. So again, <laughs> Synanon. What I read made it seem as though Synanon is who kind of really brought attack therapy into the mainstream, which is basically what is happening when you're sending your kid to a group camp to be quote-unquote broken down and built back up in front of their peers and often, you know, in a display type setting. That's attack therapy. So anyway, okay, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to crack up. So what was Synanon? The Synanon organization, initially a drug rehabilitation program, was founded by Charles E. Diedrich 
1958 in Santa Monica, California, for the early 1960s, Synanon had also become an alternative community. So like Hmm. a commune, probably, I'm assuming. Yeah. Attracting people with its emphasis on living a self-examined life as aided by truth-telling sessions that came to be known as the Synanon Game. Synanon ultimately became the Church of Synanon, which is defunct in the United States, but still exists in Germany for some reason. It disbanded in 1991 due to many criminal activities, including attempted murder, of which members were convicted, legal problems, including losing its tax-free status retroactively, and destruction of evidence and terrorism. It has been called one of the most dangerous and violent cults America has ever seen. Damn. Synanon! (laughs) So the stuff that you're sending your kids to came from a cult. Oh, God. A particularly violent cult. Who destroyed evidence of their terroristic activities. Jesus. So, yeah, there you go. So that's who used attack therapy. (laughs) So that's why we're still trying to beat the bad out of our children. Effective. Okay. So, yeah, I think we've established pretty well that um, this is bullshit. And... (laughs) (laughs) And we've paid it here at Southern Hills. (laughs) And some politicians... Agree with us, but there's this act, it is called the Stop Child Abuse in Residential Programs for Teens Act, or SCARPTA. It was originally introduced in 2015 and didn't make the cut, but it's reintroduced, or I'm sorry, it was recently reintroduced in 2017 by a representative, Adam Schiff. So this legislation, if passed, would require residential treatment programs to enforce a set of minimum health and safety standards, specifically prohibiting discrimination against LGBTQ youth and young people with mental illnesses. And so, yeah, we just mentioned uh, the Wiggins individual who moved from Alabama to Missouri to continue operating his business. This bill would specifically crack down on offenders who attempt to move abusive facilities across state lines by requiring all states to improve their licensing and oversight processes and help families weed out bad programs by requiring they publicly disclose their licensing status in any history of violations. The stipulations of this legislation seem pretty reasonable to me. Um, here's the rundown. So number one, it would prohibit all programs from withholding food, water, or shelter from a child, putting a child in seclusion, and all other forms of physical and mental abuse. Two, require licensed medical staff on hand at all times in case of an emergency and require all staff members to be properly trained in recognizing and responding to signs of child abuse and neglect and mental health crises. Three, allow youth to stay in contact with their parents so that they know their children are safe and provide uninhibited access to a child abuse reporting hotline. Number four, publicly disclose any past record of child abuse and their state licensing status so families can make informed decisions about where to send their children. And number five, this is a big one, prohibit programs from using anything other than safe and evidence-based treatment, meaning that any form of junk science such as conversion therapy or electric shock would be banned in these programs. Electric shock is not banned? Right? How would they, how would your kid even be able to tell you? Yeah, nothing is banned because there's no regulation on the books and all of these things seem pretty reasonable to me. Yeah. Um, But this bill's had a really hard time getting past it was shut down in 2008 and then it was shut down again in 2013 and apparently again in 2015 and i have some numbers on a small number of the politicians that are being bought to keep this industry 
unregulated just saying it right because it keeps getting shut down because of lobbying efforts i'm guessing yeah oh wait did i just kill your point no you didn't no that's exactly what it is and we haven't done a lobbying episode but we this is another proof in the pudding that we really need to like kelly just said nothing is off the table so for me this is the equivalent of pre-fda food right go eat wherever and whether or not you get sick they don't have to tell you they don't have to tell you that anyone got sick before you And they can do whatever they want because there's no regulatory body and they can just make as much money as they want. And your kid who has issues can come back and tell you, yeah, I was horribly abused and you're not going to believe them because you sent them there in the first place. So Whisper Ridge Treatment Center was investigated by a man named Dr. Reinhardt, who was the head of the Department of Behavioral and Disability Services at the time. Reinhardt oversaw licensing in Virginia and after leaving the facility wrote a letter to Whisper Ridge telling them to shut down because of their horrific conditions and numerous violations. Before the center could be closed, Marilyn Taverner, who was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Virginia, and Dr. Reinhardt's superior, received a call from David Halleck, a lobbyist for Universal Health Services. Halleck told Marilyn to instruct Dr. Reinhardt that he was to cease investigating and sanctions of Whisper Ridge. All of this was done with full permission of Virginia's then-governor, Tim Kaine. After Dr. Reinhardt's letter was swept away, Tim Kaine received a $25,000 donation from UHS. $25,000 to get to continue abusing your children. I, I don't understand that. I feel like these people are so detached from other people. Because I cannot imagine subjecting children to this for 25000 fucking dollars. No. it. You know what it reminds me of? People are trying to stop using the word prostitute and switch it for sex worker. Because in murder cases, they're like, oh, well, they lived a high-risk lifestyle, so they got murdered. And that's just the way it is when you are a prostitute. But it's like, she's a woman out doing a dangerous job. However you feel about it, that's what it is. She doesn't deserve to get murdered. Like, you are devaluing that person's entire existence just because you don't agree with how they're choosing to make their money. Yeah. We're devaluing kids and their problems by just labeling them troubled teens and saying, well, he's a troubled teen. Like, why would I care that these things are happening to him? Someone's trying to make him better. Ugh. It's it's not okay. Troubled teen, it's going to bother me as a word now. It's like, yeah, because we know that. I mean, troubled. It's just this blanket term that means my parents don't approve. And your parents might be assholes. That doesn't mean you're troubled. Yeah. And it doesn't It doesn't mean that you deserve to be abused. Right. To these politicians, maybe there's some cognitive dissonance there because they hear troubled teen and they think, well, why would I want to stop people from helping them? Maybe they're not even troubled. Yeah. Maybe they're just gay. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to um, link to this infographic that I'm reading from right now. It was posted on Reddit, um, our troubled teens. I'll, I'll post a link to it in Twitter. So I guess follow us if you want to read the rest of it. The whole thing is interesting. They actually go into more detail on what politicians were involved. Just to go over a few, Tim Kaine, Rick Perry, Mitt Romney, and George Bush. And some of the ties are kind of hinky. Like, Politicians get so much money from so many places. The problem is when you have, in Tim Kaine's example, an exact money trail of this happened, then this happened, and then they got money. Yeah. Like that's, and some of these you can see similar things. So what are some alternatives for concerned parents? Therapy? (laughs) A real therapy? I mean, we've even talked about how for the cost of going to a troubled teen center, you could- A ranch? Yes, you could- your child to a private school for a year or possibly even a boarding school 
Yeah. What this infographic mentioned is, I like this one because it points out not just your kid. Multi-systemic family therapy, an intensive evidence-based family-focused therapy for families and their children struggling with serious psychological and behavioral problems. I think that makes a lot of sense of family therapy. Yeah, duh. But, you know, the parents always think, what is wrong with my child? They never think, what is wrong with my relationship with my child? Right. Or what is wrong with my parenting style? Right. They don't look for opportunities for them to change. They want their child to change. Again, to tie it to having dogs, <laughs> if you have a shitty dog, it's probably because you didn't train your dog very well. And right. you need to learn how to actually train your dog well. Individual counseling. Some teens who experiment with substances or who are having behavioral issues at home or at school may just need extra support from a professional. School counselors and social workers can be a great resource to start with for both parents and teens. And inpatient hospital care, sending them to actual mental hospitals. Right, medical professionals. What a concept. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Ooh, functional family therapy, a short-term evidence-based family-based intervention for at-risk youth between 11 and 18 addresses issues such as delinquency, substance use, and other risky behaviors. Hmm. You know what this makes me think of? I know I'm a little late to the game, but Josh Duggar, you know, when the news broke that he had been molesting his sisters for years, when the family, or I would say, I should say the parents, when they first learned that he was molesting his sisters, his father sent him to do ranch work or to do yard work for a family friend for a summer. So in lieu of therapy, counseling, whatever, um, he did yard work. Why do people think that works? I don't get it. He had to have known what he was doing was wrong because he was doing it at night. He was doing it in such a way that I think the, the girls were asleep. So he knew that he didn't want his parents to know. And he knew that he didn't want the girls to know. Neither of those things lead me to believe that he didn't think, this is wrong and I shouldn't be doing it. He thought, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. Exactly. Well, that's the whole thing with that bunch. Premarital sex is the biggest no-no that there is. So yeah, he knew. Yeah. But I just, I remember reading that when it came out and I thought, really, that's the action that you took? And then he did it to, he only got in trouble when they found out he did it to someone else's kid. Yeah. So at that point, it's a serial behavior and they still, they just didn't, pretty, pretty ridiculous. Yep. I like to do some attack therapy on Josh Duggar. <laughs> <laughs> I have some opinions. <laughs> got some suggestions for quality attacks. <laughs> so... What's your takeaway, KP? Um, I, I'm not going to say I enjoyed researching this because these stories are horrifying, but I'm glad that I know that this is still a thing that happens in my brain. I had put aside the troubled teen treatment centers as something from the past. It's pretty scary to know it's still a billion dollar a year industry with no regulation. Literally, if you are listening to this and you want to start a troubled teen industry, help yourself. No one's going to stop you. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually, there's a list of, I believe it's either 14 or 16 states that fall under the religious exemption law. So if you're faith-based, uh, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Tennessee is not on that list. I am shocked to say seven states from the South were. Oh boy. Yeah, Alabama being one of them, as we mentioned earlier. Oh, come on. If the Catholic Church has taught us anything, it's that just because you're a church doesn't mean that they're not going to be diddlers in your church. Right. I feel like if I was a diddler, that's where I would go. Kind of like being a deer hunter. You don't go where the deer aren't. Right. So What's your takeaway? My takeaway is that contrary to you and your, I don't want to say dignity. What's the word? Good nature. I'm just going to say contrary to you and your good nature. I did enjoy reading about this. I enjoyed the shit out of it because it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was just like, 
is this real life? Is this still a thing? It's like yeah, bizarro worlds. I feel like I was reading Lord of the Flies with some of this shit. Yeah, if you Google any of these cases, and I'm not even kidding, like we mentioned earlier, go to Google, go to news, search troubled teens, and you will see sexual ass- assaults in the last month. Yeah. You're just setting your kid up to where if they are abused, they don't have a way to tell you, or once they tell the police, the police aren't going to believe them, and the likelihood that those claims will be followed up on are pretty slim. Right. And what if their complaint is, hey, I was frequently shocked with a cattle prod. Turns out, totally legal. Oh my god. Yeah, so, because think about it. You're turning over your parenting rights, which include corporal, corporal punishment, to another person. To a stranger. Any asshole can make a decent website. Any asshole can say that 30 people said that their kids came out way less gay. Oh, yeah. And then one of these that I was talking about, I think it was the uh, Wiggins, the Alabama center. Um, He had glowing recommendations from anonymous parents. Anyone can write an anonymous recommendation for themselves. Don't send your kids to troubled teen centers. Yeah, they're bullshit. If your kid has a psychological problem, send them to a psychiatrist. And if that psychiatrist thinks it's that bad, they'll put them in inpatient. Yeah, that's true. So quit your shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I think that's my takeaway. Uh, quit your shit. Yeah, your kid is probably shitty because you're shitty. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. So yeah, what what are your thoughts? Uh, any recommendations for resources or any ideas for future topics? Let us know at southernhells at gmail.com. And subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to podcasts and follow us on Twitter so you can see this infographic because someone spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook, and thanks for listening. Yep, see you next Thursday.